Hello and welcome to the official podcast of the West Virginia National Guard. I'm Master Sergeant Eugene Christ, a public affairs specialist with your West Virginia National Guard. And today on the show, we have Major Brian Knight, a chaplain with the 130th Airlift Wing, and Master Sergeant Dwan Haley, a former chaplain assistant and a current public affairs specialist with the 130th. Good morning, gentlemen, and thank you for being on the show. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So, um, first off, Chaplain Knight, just want to say thank you for um, for joining us right now. I mean, I know with everything going on, it's been a really, really rough time. So, um, I think we're going to start this out by um, just introducing yourself, your background, um, things like that, where you went to school. Uh, absolutely. I, I served uh, 97 to 05 enlisted at the 130th, and after that I went to uh, seminary school down at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. After about five years, I uh, came back in the Guard in 2010, May of 2010. So I've been in now as a chaplain. Well, uh, when's the 1st of, of May? Is that tomorrow? Is that the next that's tomorrow. day? Tomorrow. <laughs> that'll, uh, that'll be 10 years exactly tomorrow. That's wow. an anniversary wow. for me. Happy birthday. Uh, 18. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been wonderful. <laughs> but now I've, I've, uh, I did uh, about four years at Oak Hill Baptist Church in the city of Oak Hill. And uh, God moved me up here to Parkersburg, where I've been close to, to five years now at Pine Grove Baptist Church. So it's, it's been a learning experience. I've had a blast, and I'm still learning some things. That's awesome. So um, getting into this, what challenges um, have you faced, you know, just with your church and with um, ministering to the members of the National Guard? Uh, absolutely, there's been a lot of them, and something that it's it, it, it's it's kind of neat, and at the same time, it's kind of frustrating. But I, I thought of the word uh, dispersion, which is something we for, refer to in uh, the Book of Acts, and when uh, the local area they became dispersed, and mm-hmm. they have done that you know several times throughout the Bible. But I feel like we've been dispersed in a way. Uh, the guard base, you know, when I go there to check on some people, there are you know, it's, it's half manned, so some of the people are home, got to contact them somehow, as well as the church. We haven't had, you know, church services since the shutdown, and we've been doing online services. So mm-hmm. some of the stuff that we've had to use is technology. We've used technology, like I'm on Facebook right now talking to folks. Um, if I could just reach out to each one or each one that has an issue, uh, and also using Facebook Live or uh What's that? The application Zoom, I think, is another one. But uh, the other one, too, is uh, FaceTime on our, our cell phone. Mm-hmm. But something that I've, I've stumbled upon, though, guys, is uh, the easiest way to contact and check on people is uh, First Shirts and their supervisors. You get a hold of those guys, you can ask them if there are any issues, and you can cover about 20, 30 people each time you talk to them. Have there been situations where you've actually, like, had to go out to, um, like, say, maybe somebody's home? I mean, you know, because they're quarantined and everything, and they can't really go out or anything like that. So yeah. have you had a situation where you've had to do that? Or, you know, just within your church, um, have you had to go visit the elderly? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so right at the beginning of the shutdown, I actually had a funeral to do. And we had to figure out, because we were canceling services throughout the entire week, we were communicating with the family and the family was expecting a very large turnout for this individual that passed away. And 
we had to cancel. We didn't we didn't have to cancel, but the the family was concerned that if someone were to catch the virus at the funeral service, they didn't want to be responsible for that. So they felt bad for that. So the, the children met together and, and discussed it and got back with me. And it was the first modification that I had as far as, you know, the role of a pastor. And the only thing we did was a committal service, but it was one of the biggest committal services that I've ever done. And it was, it was, it was funny though, because this, this gentleman was, he was a great man of God and uh, just lived a wonderful life. And he passed away uh, still being very ornery, very strong headed. And I, I loved it. I loved seeing him <laughs> try to exercise his freedoms and people shouldn't have told him what to do kind of attitude. It was great. Mm-hmm. So we celebrated his life, but he was a, a big time hunter. So he loved going out to the woods to his cabin. And it was weird because during that whole week, it was in the sixties and fifties. And that Saturday when we did his committal was down near the thirties. <laughs> Yeah. And wow. we all laughed because we're all standing out there freezing to death. And somebody said, well, it's good hunting weather. So, that's really <laughs> fun. so it was a good experience and it was, it was different for me because it's, it, you know, I, I pulled up beside of another pastor that was there and, you know, he'd been a pastor longer than I have. And I mentioned to him, I said, don't you, don't you struggle right now trying to figure out what our identity is as a pastor? Because the situation, you know, our roles haven't changed as being shepherds. But our tactics have, and we had to modify the way that we approach people. So something I've done here lately is, again, phone calls, uh, messages, text messages, whatever. But I have delivered goods to people's homes, and what it is is, you know, standing at the door, talking to them through a window because some of them are elderly and they're concerned that that they'll get this COVID and, and affect their lungs. And you just have to respect that. But, um, you know, distance does not make us not a church. It, what it does is it strengthens our communication skills and strengthens our prayer time and, and our Bible studies. Right, right. And I'll piggyback off that. I think that one thing that this um, pandemic has done is that it's, um, it's reinforced the fact that, like you said, the church isn't just a building. It is a people, you know. Yeah. You know, we, it, we were called to go out to others, not to just congregate in one place and, you know, worry about just that one building. So, yeah, that, that's something that, um, that I've really taken away from all this. So have you, um, have you been in contact with like other chaplains within the um, National Guard? How do you feel like they've um, handled things or have you all like bounced ideas off each other? Now, see, so the emails and stuff that I've been getting, I've been getting emails from uh, the National Guard Bureau, from chaplains up there and, and the head chaplains, sending us materials, sending us different things, but also just contacting people throughout the, the U.S. And what's, what's happening is, you know, they're asking other chaplains to let them know when they go on state orders and that type of thing, and they have been doing it. So we're not alone on this. You know, we're in West Virginia doing our thing, but every state across the whole country, there are chaplains serving everywhere. And they're, they're filling in the gaps and doing anything. So I got contacted by Chaplain Ward, who's in the the Army side, just across the street from us. And he's filling in, I think, for Chaplain Allen. Chaplain Allen is the state chaplain. I think he comes back this weekend. And what we've done is, you know, we've come on board. We've talked to each other, how we're handling things, how we're communicating as far as, you know, checking on soldiers and checking on airmen at different locations in the state. But also, what can we do for them? You know, what does it look like? Does right. that part change? 
and how many people do we have at each site and how do we approach them and those types of things. So the, the MGB has done a really good job of sending out resources and I have in front of me two forms I got this morning. Uh, one is a chaplain section, you know, for stability and response force. It's the COVID-19 care team word track and it goes through, you know, how to have a calm voice, uh, how to you know, protect somebody that's getting emotional and, and feeling stressed out. And it, it's just really good stuff. It gives you different questions that you can be asking, uh, how to find common ground, which, which I like. And it, that's pretty much the role that we have as, as, you know, chaplains and pastors. And the other one is an airman wellness check script, which, you know, we check on their financial health. We take, check on their family health, their personal mental health, uh, social health, again, personal health, spiritual health, and then wrap up with, with different things. And something, guys, that I've noticed, you know, we've all been we've been deployed. Mm-hmm. We know yeah. what it feels like to go over, to go to a foreign country, to serve, you know, to work, you know, just about every day, uh, not having a lot of freedom as far as going and doing just random things that we have freedom here. And when I went around and checked on some of the soldiers in the airmen, what I found out was I talked to one individual, and she's a major, and you guys know who she is. I'll tell you later who she is, but, you know, she's got four children. And she's married, and obviously she has a life, and she lives out, out of state. Well, she's been on active duty for about five weeks now, and she hasn't seen her family. So we like to think about it like, well, over oh, well, their stateside, they're fine. No, no, they're, they're still stressors. Yeah. So when you have someone, especially a mother, she said one of her four children is a toddler, and she said that her husband's an absolute trooper right now, that you know he's doing an amazing job, mm-hmm. but she gets emotional because – you know, the distance is still there and she's been gone from her family for five weeks. So regardless if there's a pond in between or if there's a state line in between, the stress is still there. And so as long as we're able to meet those needs, we may have to change what we do. So I mentioned, you know, to my church up here, you know, let's gather some goodies like, you know, potato chips and beef jerky, popcorn, whatever, and let me take it to these people. And if anybody gets upset with that, the thing about that is, you know, a bag of chips might make her feel better, but it doesn't close the gap of being gone from her family for five weeks, right. you know, right. but we can't help uh, until she gets back to her family. Yeah. yeah, I think it's one thing that um, the guard um, faces that really active duty doesn't is that, you know, we might have a home unit, but we were so dispersed around the country. You know, yeah. and, like we're not really tied to a specific area. And, so, and even if you're a guardsman, you don't necessarily see those people but one weekend a month, exactly. two weeks a year. And even at that, like, you know, we're, we're a family as much as we can be a family and be together. But, like, at the same time, we're, we're not a full-time force that's constantly together necessarily. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you have to learn different tactics and different tools. It's, it's kind of weird to, to see each other once a month, and so much can happen in a month. Now – when was our last drill, guys? I mean, gosh, we're not going to be. <laughs> yeah, it was March. We're really? not going to be here until June. Yeah, man. If I hadn't, if I hadn't done some state orders, my goodness, I could have a monster beard right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so jealous of some people, but yeah, we haven't been together in so long, and it, it is just random. Even you know, I was there Tuesday, and I was just reaching out to one of the girls that's right there in supply. Yeah, it, typically when I buy a Red Bull, I buy two Red Bulls, and she wasn't there yesterday, and I just messaged her and told her. And it's funny because you, you talk to some of them, they're like, no, no, I'm, I'm there, you know, Tuesday, Friday, or I'm there Thursday, Friday, whatever. And if, if you're only there one day a week, you get a, a fraction of the guys that are there. But again, one of the most important things that I've learned, though, is 
communicating with supervisors, communicating with communicating with the uh, the first shirts, asking them if there's a, a specific airman or soldier that needs to be contacted because they're going to know. Yeah, especially right now. Or if they don't know, they should know. <laughs> I hope. Yeah, you're yeah. exactly right. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, they're... <laughs> it's a good way to light a fire up underneath. Exactly. Maybe I should check on them. Yeah, let, let me know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Something I have learned, though, guys, is it, it's easier for 300 people to contact one person than it is that one person to reach out to 300 people. Yeah. Because you're going you're gonna to miss somebody. Exactly. And that's the same thing with the, the church that we're finding out. We're trying to get people to, you know, reach out for help, to reach out for prayer, whatever it might be. A lot of people are having to learn right now that they, they need more than just their uh, selves to depend on. Because mm-hmm. we got a lot of independent people. Right. So during your visits, what has um, what's been the sense of morale between or with the members? Uh, sure, I, I've been to several different locations, so I've been able to go to. I have a list here. Hang on, let me look. It's not very big. Three places. So I have had an opportunity to go to the Fairmont for a while, mm-hmm. uh, as well as Poco, just outside of Charleston. And from what I picked up, it seems like they're fine. Uh, I know that's a weird word to use, but the morale is really good. You you have the camaraderie, which a lot of us depend on, and, and we see that. But I got to eat lunch with a couple of them several different times at, at all the different sites. And, you know, a lot of these guys, I call them kids, really. There's a bunch of them that are 20, they're 20 years old. And, you know, a lot of them don't have school right now. They were in college, or a lot of them worked somewhere just outside of college campuses. So their paycheck right now is the state ordered and the right. state active duty. So when they, they know the financial part's taken care of, as long as they're getting paid mm-hmm. <laughs> through that, that uh, that's a stressor they don't have to worry about. The other part of it is, you know, where are they going to eat? You know, when you're when you're 20 and in college, who cares where you eat, right? Exactly. I mean, if you, <laughs> yeah. as long as you can get something in front of you that you can consume, you don't care where exactly. it's coming from. Chick-fil-A's so, there every day except for Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not – it's not a it's not a big stressor, but the the other things that I did find out is you know some of the twenty year olds and then getting up into your thirties they they're married and have families. Those are the ones that you know need to look out for. And, and you know ran into one kid that lives in Martinsburg and he's in Polka. And I think what we we tend to forget sometimes that's a that's a pretty long ways away. Yeah. Again, still in the same state, but when you're in the eastern Panhandle and you're relocated southern you know southwestern part of West Virginia. You're pretty far from home, and he's not able to go back home to, to see his kids and, and see his wife. So the stressor part of that is, you know, finances and also the distance and, and communicating with him. How can we help and how can we make him, uh, you know, less stressed during this time? So it's coming up with different tools of that, and there's different ways to do that. I did sit down with him for a while and talk to him, and even with his stress, the morale for him seemed pretty good because I asked him, if we needed to change his current situation and he said no. And one of the biggest reasons was the people. Right. He didn't want to be removed from the soldiers he was already there with. Right. And that's going to be the biggest part. And if you honestly, guys, if you look at that, okay, you know, you look at the offices you work in, you know, we look at the one thirtieth. we're part of a family and general Tackett pushed that long before he retired. And general Hoyer does that too. pushes it as a national guard family. And then we have Colonel Freeze pushing it and with the general, and we have this 
you know, this need of this sense that we have to identify ourselves as a family and we call it camaraderie. Well, the church, we call it fellowship. It's the same thing. So we have those bonds and we have those uh, people that support one another. It's, it's the same stuff. We look for people and we thrive on encouragement. And that's what, that's what scripture tells us to do is edify. That's so, to build so, each other up. So we talked a lot about uh, Judeo-Christian believers <laughs> as Judeo-Christian believers, uh, things that we believe and we do. But uh, as a chaplain, you're called to provide um, things for all believers. So what would you say to those uh, those people out there that might be listening that aren't necessarily Christians like uh, what can they do to, to reach out and find uh, some resources or uh, things that might help them? Definitely. That's, that's actually a really good question. I wrote a list down here. And what we try to do is, especially on our base, and I don't know how easy it would be to do it across the state, is do that uh, assessment as far as needs assessment, spiritual needs assessment, and find out who who is basically what or what they desire to do. So something I wrote down, and I've, I've actually been challenged to uh, push my staff here at church to to create different lists of things they can do during this downtime because y'all know who uh, y'all know who Bear Grylls is, right? right. Oh yeah, we met him right, at y'all Boy know Scouts. Who down. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? That's how we met him at Boy Scouts. Oh, did y'all? Well, what about Les Stroud? He's the he's called the Survivor Man. Y'all yeah. know who that guy is? Oh, Watch yeah. him all the time. Oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he he takes his own gear in. He's by himself, like for real. So I I watch those guys all the time and something that we have to remember and they talk about it every single time they're out in the wild to tell you how to uh, train yourself and also how to survive one of the most important things is don't grow idle right they say if you get in a situation where you just dwell on the situation and your mind just goes and starts messing with you one of the best things is pick up a stick and start to carve something they're like well what are you going to carve like you don't have to be carving anything just keep your mind occupied Make a make a rope, uh, strip a tree down, whatever it might be. So, I wrote this down as far as you know. How can we stay resilient if we're not connected to some type of religion? If someone you know prefers not to identify themselves a certain way, what can what can they rely on? Well, I wrote these things down. Regardless, you know, right now we got we see jokes on Facebook of, you know, I decided to sleep on the couch to be early, and their work is in the living room. You know. So we, we have people that are that don't have a regular schedule anymore. Well, my my opinion is do have a regular schedule. Make yourself feel get up at the same time. Get up, make breakfast, you know, have coffee, whatever, and start working even if it's downstairs in your basement. So regardless of what time your day starts, pick a time to get up. But also have a plan for each day to complete a task. Have a list of things that you want to complete. Come up with stuff. It doesn't matter what it is. Uh, either – have a job around the house or something handy or even a hobby. I have a hobby that you pursue. Create a list of activities to complete each day for each week. And, and this, to me, will help develop self-reliance but also self-motivation. And what it does, again, it avoids idleness. And to me, avoiding idle mind is, uh, is number one. You get someone who dwells about the situation, and that's a person that grows uh, closer to depression, and you want to avoid that at all costs. Yeah, idleness and loneliness, when they're mixed together, is a bad combination. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So as we're uh, finishing up, is there anything else that you would um, like to add 
add like words of encouragement to members of the um, West Virginia National Guard? Yeah. Um, well, okay. For the for the uh, for the spiritual side, it is not in the Bible, but people often say this too shall pass. I'm sure it will. It, it already is starting to pass. So uh, take you know take encouragement in uh, the fact that this is not going to be forever. And I do hear a lot of people saying uh, the new normal. I I, I kind of try to go against that part. I feel like uh, as America we can get back to what we had and we will because that's the American spirit. So as long as we continue to move forward and don't give up on anything, you know, getting discouraged, breaking down is completely normal. Do it, but don't live there. Get through it and get yourself up off the ground and move forward again. Come up with a list. Um, I've been building a, a back porch with my neighbor and I'm learning things I've never learned before. If, you know, to me, learn a new project and learn a new recipe, uh, learn a new exercise, whatever it might be. Learn a new language. My goodness. Uh, plenty of time to sit home and do that, what's it called, that Rosetta Stone or whatever. Um, grab that bad boy. Uh, do something like that. I, just having, to me, having something to do is going to be the important part. Um, and all of this stuff is going to end soon. So we're going to have one heck of a 4th of July this year. So. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> well, uh, Chaplain, while we still have you on the line, uh, would you like to uh, pray for the, the country and all the, the West Virginia Nas- National Guardsmen on duty right now? Absolutely. Yeah. They win now. Yes, go ahead. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father God, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity just to, to come out to everybody and just to be able to reach out and have recommendations, Lord. God, we love you. We thank you for the positions you have given us to serve. We thank you, Lord, that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. And we just ask you, God, for each individual, for Dewan and for Eugene and anybody that hears this, that our position, God, help us know what to do to make an impact. Help us grow stronger together. Help us, Lord, focus on what you want us to do in the overall picture, Lord. How can we achieve these things that are before us that we really, truly don't understand? And we're coming up with new things and new ways of how to reach out to one another and support one another. I pray, God, for our country as we begin to reopen and different states have their different ways of doing it, God. Give the leadership discernment. Help them understand, Lord, how to keep us safe at the same time. How do we get back on track where we can supply and provide for our families? I pray, Lord, for all of the airmen and the soldiers across the country who are deployed in situations that we sometimes don't understand. I pray for their uh, diligence. I pray, God, that they stay on top of the job and they complete it and they look back on it and know that they did the best that they could possibly do. I pray, God, for our leaders. I pray that they have discernment as well. They're able to communicate and work with each other, regardless of what uniform they wear, God. Let's look at this situation and say, how can I make it better? I pray, Lord, for our our governments, and I pray, Lord, for our president, as they continue to make decisions that they have never made before and how to make them appropriately, Lord. We want to do the best that we can, God, and help us, God, uh, take uh, pride and and courage in uh, the roles that we do play. And understand, Lord, not every single one of us matters in every situation that we're involved in. You have us there for a reason, no matter what. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 
Well, that's going to do it for today's episode. For more information about the Chaplain Corps and the West Virginia National Guard, you can find us on the web at www.wv.ng.mil. And stay up to date with current news with the West Virginia National Guard and find links to our social media sites. This has been Master Sergeant Eugene Christ with your West Virginia National Guard. Have a great day, and on behalf of the 6,400 guardsmen in uniform and the 700 civilian employees and our families, stay safe and stay West Virginia strong.